good Sunday morning. Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Rise presented by the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in with the one, the only, the incomparable Midnight Rider. The man that pays all the bills, and as I said on Thursday night, the biggest Wham fan on this pan- on this panel, the boss BJ. Fellas, how y'all doing this morning? Man, I'm doing good this morning. Um, little late star for me, but hey, gotta get it going. So let's get it going. Let's make it do what it do, baby. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I got something special. Because we 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 always talk about content, you know. We we didn't talk about uh what happened last night in Boston, but I got to start off with the Midnight Rider and talking about Boston forcing Game Seven. But uh, this is nothing but. Courtesy of the People's Choice, Don Rodriguez, the Midnight Rider has his own nothing but content. I told you he was going to make it a, se- a segment. Boston forces game seven. Uh, miracle shot at the end of that game. But what's being overlooked is how Jimmy Buckets carried them to, to a comeback. They were down by 10 with four minutes to go. Carried them to mm-hmm. a comeback. Goes ahead. And they still lose the game. Uh, start with you, Midnight Ride, then we'll throw it over to the boss, BJ. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think we just talked about it um, a little bit in our pre-show. This this score, this ball game, is one of those games that if Boston goes on to, um, to win a championship, this will be the defining moment. This will be the one shining moment that gets them over the hump. So if you live in Boston, more than likely – if Derek White is out somewhere buying a beer, he won't be paying for his own beer or his own drinks ever again because he will live in infamy in the city of Boston, um, in that sports town, as a hero, as a guy that got them over the hump, possibly. I'm not going to say for sure because we still got to play tomorrow night, but this could be their moment. This could be their one moment where this guy becomes a hero in Boston and won't be a hero anywhere else. Um but they'll just be like, that's their guy, you know, uh, and, and that's that's the beauty of sports. It's sometimes a player can come out of nowhere and he made the ultimate play. He made the ultimate hustle play. He was fading to the corner to get a shot, saw the ball go up and actually chase down the rebound. And that's something coaches always teach you. You got to hustle. You got to stay alive in the play. So that that play alone could be somebody's film study or some coach's film just for when his guys doesn't want to. When the guys don't want to hustle and they don't see the rewards from hustling, that's the moment that you get rewarded for. That's the shot you get, and you actually save your team a ball game because you refused to die on the play in the corner. You decided to follow up the shot. Well, here's here's my thing. We talked for the last week about guys not crashing boards. When right. the ball is up, everybody turns around, starts running. We talked about the rebound hitting the floor. 
This is an example of how the game is supposed to be played. The ball went up. Even if he didn't make it in time, he still crashed the balls enough. Miami did not box out. I don't give a damn if it was 10 seconds left. The first thing you should have did when that shot got up, box out. Well, I mean, you can see it from the angle. Struess literally, well, Strauss stopped running with him because he figured he was going, he was out of the play. So he had, he never decided to get in front of him to get position. Um, he lost contact and you can see White dart to the basket. When he darts to the basket, there was nothing there. And Jimmy, just the way Jimmy played last night, I mean, the first part of the game, you thought Jimmy was on the take. Um, he just was not playing well, not hitting shots. Boston was um, clamping down on him. And for him to come back the way he did is just another assessment to who he is as a ball player. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, speaking of Jimmy, 24 and 11 with eight assists. Uh, Martin gave you 21 and 15. Bam Adebayo gave you 11 and 13. 15. That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy that's let them down the last three games. I think he's been under double digits till last night, and even still it was only 11. He has to be the person that gets going. He has to give you 20 and 13. It can't be 11 and 13. Uh, your man, what you call him, Baby Fish, gave you 15. Struss gave mm-hmm. you 10. Duncan Robinson gave you 13. Kyle Lowry only gave you eight. Uh, for the Celtics, another brilliant performance for uh, Tatum and Brown, 31 and 12 for uh, Tatum, 26 and 10 for Brown. Horford gave you four and seven rebounds. Uh, Marcus Smart gave you 21. White gave you 11. And Williams gave you 10. Team effort, people. Team effort. 104-103. I'm not giving a prediction on game seven because every time we give a goddamn on prediction, we're wrong. Hey, man. I think we've been saying, well, tonight it ends for the last three games. So uh, I'm going to stick with the theme. I think tonight, it, I mean, tomorrow it ends and Miami's, um, Miami's the victor. Because I think I, it's, this is one of those games where one or two things can happen. Miami can be so deflated that they have nothing to give, or Boston can be over-exuberant, they have nothing left to give. Or they could just say, Ben, you're dead wrong, and both teams come out and play well, and we just have another classic like we did um, last night. And that would be special. Here's my thought on it. I don't want Boston to win this series. I don't either. I'm, I'm being honest. I don't want them to win this series because I don't want to see Boston in the finals. This Boston team is not going to get past them. Boston has nobody in the middle that can stop the Joker. The Joker is going to average 50 points in that in the series. He's going to average 50 and 20. With 12 assists. He's going to have Wilt Chamberlain numbers. Well, I, mine is more personal. Because right now, my nephew, he's a Denver fan. And if Boston goes, my best friend's a Boston fan. Which means at the end of the series, I'm going to hear from one of them, we are the champions being sung loudly and badly. So I don't want both of them there. I need, I need to, like, hedge my bet a little bit. That's maybe why I've been saying Miami the whole time. 
So I'm trying not to have both of them in the in the um, championship game. So I'm a little biased in this one. I'm not gonna say biased, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. I apologize. You know, I'm outside, so my signal isn't the, the greatest. But I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you guys talking, trying to jump in and fighting this. But to me, I was watching that game last night. Probably, not nah, not probably, for sure, the most I've watched an NBA game this year. And I just felt like I felt like that Miami was playing not to lose. They didn't have that same underdog underdog tone that 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 edge that chip on their shoulder. It was like they were playing like a deer in the headlights. So, like for Game Seven, like I really don't know what to expect because when we talked last, I really expected Miami to finish this. Um, I thought they had, you know, Boston dead in the water. But I don't know what's going to go on now. Not really sure. I, I, I don't have a prediction. Because like Midnight Rider said, you know, you can come in there and one of the teams, it's going to be either team. Boston could be tired from the energy they and effort they put in to win three straight games. And then Miami could just be continue to play like they play and be scared and like you know, I wouldn't like I wouldn't be surprised if it's another one point game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout on either side. But I don't know. Somewhere along the line, Miami lost that Miami edge, that underdog. That you know, we we'll, you know, oh, we will talk about Boston and we'll talk about Milwaukee and forget about Miami. And that's like the chip. That's the fuel they ran on. And for like the last three games, it's like. I don't know. They they're giving me the John Wall Bradley Bill backcourt vibes. Like we made it. We made it. We don't have to do anything else. And that and they're paying for it now. And it's like I don't know. I don't know what they, I I don't I don't know if they win the next game. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I, I don't know, man. It's it's I've never seen this before. Never seen it before. Here's what I don't get. <clears throat> Why do you take your foot off the gas? Like the boss BJ said, it's like they not playing on that that whole underdog thing. It's like you, they took their foot off the gas. Two games in a row. It's no way in four hills Boston should have won three straight games when you've been blowing them out the whole time. Unfortunately, I've been thinking this is what the NBA wanted. Because what was going to have, nine straight days with no basketball? And we talked about that um, a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago. We were like, "This is going to be a nine-day gap between the two. And it was going to be the same thing in the NHL. The NHL was going to have the same situation, but um, Dallas has decided to fight back a little bit in this series with the um, Vegas Golden Knights. So, yeah, it's, it's just ironic that after that statement is made and you realize how much time is between game four, potentially at that time, and game one of the finals, that nine days, boy, they sure found a way to fill it real quick. And I'm not accusing the NBA of anything, but it just seems like um, Miami did kind of take their foot off the pedal. Maybe Miami just used what they had. Like maybe that was what they got because you, outside of Jimmy, you don't have a true score. And if Bam's going to be giving you 11, that was his best game 
in the last three. I mean, that's that's a struggle. That's an uphill climb. I mean, you had to get 29 from hey, my boy Baby Fish gave him 29 to win game three. So it's it's one of those situations where the, the ancillary parts aren't make, covering up um, and making it worth um, – I'm not saying worth, but I should say they're not holding Jimmy up and keeping him um, keeping him in the ball games. He has to be Superman right now, and I think that's the problem. It's a one-man bang. Well – they're going to have to figure something out because if you play the way you did last night, game five and four, you'll be sitting home for the finals. So, uh, sticking with the NBA, and this one is near and dear to my heart, it breaks it actually. Scottie Pippen did an interview, and everybody thought it was false, man. Everybody thought it was fake. He called MJ a horrible player before he arrived in Chicago. This sounds of bitterness, and it seems like he's st- – at first I thought, you know, he was going on this whole tirade about MJ and because he wanted to sell his book. I'm like, okay, cool. Controversy creates cage. Now you're going to the point where you're upset at MJ when he, I mean, granted, he was upset with you back in 98 because you decided to take the first half of the season off to get your foot looked at. And that was 97. Okay. Like, come on, man. We got to get past this. We do. But this right here just seems like it's filled with so much hate and animosity. You, you, I don't even like when Isaiah Thomas does it. So I damn sure don't like it when Scottie Pippen does it. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't like too short. Y'all got it. Oh, um, I think Scottie's just trying to stay relevant. I mean, there's nothing... Like nobody just wakes up and like, oh man, let's talk about Scottie Pippen today. Um, that's never a conversation. His game, even though he was a great player, a great player or a really good player, I should say, he's just not a person that comes up in your in your conversations about the greats. And then, I mean, it, personally, it might be a little thing of not not really liking the fact that Mike's son is um with his ex wife. I mean, that could have something to do with it too. I mean, I don't know how to quantify what Pip is up to right now, but part of it seems like it's just an agenda to get himself recognized or just to have his name in people's mouths and give them a reason to talk about. Because you don't have any conversations naturally um, about Scottie Pippen, about his basketball game that often. So he's just perpetuating um, Scottie being Scottie, I guess. It's kind of like a Dennis being Dennis type of thing. I don't know, man. I don't get it. Can y'all guys hear me? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, we talked about this before, probably in the chat, not here. And I just wonder, you know, I, of course, you know, Scotty and Mike didn't play in, in the social media area. So we don't, you know, you, know you, you, you thought their relationship was great and good, but we don't know for sure. 
and I always thought, and I told, I think I told KG this. I wonder if Scotty and Mike are laughing about this behind closed doors, um, because Scotty is no way Scotty believe that. It's, it's just no way. There's no way. And then two basketball people know that there is no MJ without Scotty. There's no Scotty without MJ either. Either one, because Scotty didn't win no ring after he left MJ. MJ hasn't won a ring without Scotty. That's to me. That's the end of discussion. To and and if you notice, every time Scotty make these type of uh, comments, he got a whiskey dropping. He got some tequila coming out, a book coming out. It's something going on with Scotty that and and you uh, know social media is going to eat that up because it's Michael Jordan. And we're talking about him saying something about Dominique Wilkins. It's not going to get no point. You know, it, it'll get a little traction, but not like Jordan. Jordan is you know you say that name, that's the mecca. And it's going to get attention. It's going to get traction. And I just really, I, to me, I think we're getting played. I really do. I think Mike is on the phone with Scotty now, and they laughing. And they're like, hey, man, I appreciate it. You know, I'll send you a cut of the, uh, the, the tequila sales. I really think that's what this is. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. I, I, I think the same thing. Because it's just, it just, it looks like it doesn't look good. Now, if we don't have a great relationship, then when you were when you got fleeced out of your money and you needed money and MJ gave you a couple hundred thousand to get yourself back together until, you know, you figured it all out. I, I don't think that's not a great thing. You know, you don't just give somebody a, a, a couple hundred thousand like, nah, you, you in trouble with now, granted, MJ used to always say when they gave him awards, whether it was All-Star MVP or League MVP, Finals MVP, whatever it was, you know they give you a car with that. At least they used to. They used to give you a car. He said, I keep the trophy, but Scotty gets the car. If that's not me letting you know that without you, I wouldn't have this. And he said that. He said, without Scotty Pippen, I wouldn't have six rings. And it's the truth. Scotty has called MJ the greatest player in the world. He's he's heat praise upon him, but then it's like here we are, 2023, and he just speaks with nothing but venom in his voice, man. It's like if you mad that his son is piping your ex-wife, that's your ex-wife fault. I mean, she. It seemed like she she scoped on him anyway. That's her fault, you know. She's a freak. Oh wow, she's admitted it. She's admitted it. Oh, you know, I, we used to have sex at least four times a night, and I, I just couldn't take it. Well, obviously, you're taking it now. So, I mean, whatever, whatever. But this whole thing with. Scotty and Michael. I mean, you think Michael told his son, "Hey, go, 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 go over there and, and see if you can holler at your aunt Larson. Give us some act right." Who the fuck does that? This whole thing with MJ and Scotty, Isaiah and Scotty, Oakley. I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah and and and, and, and uh, MJ. And for a little while there it was Isaiah and Scotty. If you go back and look at uh. NBA courtside, I'm sorry, NBA open court, if you go back and look at that, when they were talking about the dream team, 
And Ernie Johnson had Isaiah lay down on the couch. And he said, yeah, if Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan don't want to play me, okay, cool. But Scotty Pippen? Scotty? But now Scotty's on the same side with Isaiah. He's siding with Isaiah in this whole thing. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, why are we beating a dead horse right now? And it, it hurts me because I'm a Bulls fan. And I have been a Bulls My hatred for the Pistons made me a Bulls fan. Now, do I respect the bad boy Pistons? Absolutely respect the hell out of them. Because if we didn't go through them, we wouldn't have won six titles. I love Isaiah Thomas. I love Joe Dumas, Bill Lambie. As I get older, I understand what these guys meant to the game. So I, I get it. But it hurts me when you see the players you love that you thought actually got along a little bit to just be like, yeah, I'm, I don't fuck with him like that. It's, just, it's hurtful, man. But it, it, I say this all the time. You need to sit down and have a conversation while you came. Where it's an actual conversation where it's two people talking. Because it's going to hurt like hell when it's a one-sided conversation. If you catch my drift. You don't want to live with that regret. And I, I say that as a person that lives with that type of regret. About once, and I'm having one side of conversation, been doing it for the last 23 years. And uh, I just, I don't want nobody else to go through that. So that'll be said. Um, switching gears, DeAndre Hopkins, D Hop, probably what the number, let's say number two. Best receiver in the league? Oh, I'll put him in top 10. I don't know if I'm putting him at two. Okay. I'll give him top 10. Um, Just on top of my head, the two LSU boys, Jamar Chase and um, Justin Jefferson, sound like one and two to me. Um, definitely, a, definitely an elite receiver for his career. <clears throat> I just wonder what happened because for a team to eat 22.6 million, something had to happen or whether it was him and Murray not getting along, whether it's um, him and the organization, maybe got tired of paying for, um, for um, sodas out of the soda machine or Gatorades uh, because Arizona is known to be one of the cheapest organizations in the league. Um, I don't know what it is, but for you to, for a team to just say, hey, we're going to eat this 22.6, it just doesn't sit right with me. And I know it's not a a, a, um, a performance-based. I know it's not performance-based because the man laid it out there um, after he came back off his suspension. So you got to tell me what's going on. Uh, there's another side to the story that we probably won't see until we get into, as KG likes to call it, like the 30 for 30s times and maybe there's a 30 for 30 on his career or um with someone that comes on nfl network um something about their life football life maybe that comes out in one of those two stories uh, and we find out more about his time in arizona but i mean it's just it's just interesting and then on the heels of him it's possible that dalvin cook could be released um 
it's just, I mean, it's, it's a weird time in the league, man. Uh, some where you thought players had some security and certain players would get moved. I mean, a lot of times you just move this guy for like a seventh rounder just to get something, just to get something in return. But now it's like nothing. So that's another thing that just amazed me is like you couldn't come to agreement on compensation to um, get something for this guy and willing to just take anything. If you're going to drop 26, 22 million, you might as well at least get a fifth or a sixth for him. I don't know. I don't understand the dynamics of that. See, the thing is with it, I'm, I'm, it's gotta be, uh, uh, it's gotta be something because, you know, they're already talking about releasing, uh, Kyler Murray, you know, like how do you release your number one player? And, and, you know, the guy that basically is the face of your franchise, you know, he, this is the same thing that Houston did. Houston released DeAndre Hopkins. Well, they traded DeAndre Hopkins, Bill O'Brien, because of he didn't agree with what was going on in his personal life. And that was none of Bill O'Brien's business, to be quite honest. What went on in his personal life wasn't any of his business. How, how many baby mamas he had and what he did. None of his business, but that got him out of Houston. You go to Arizona, and it should have been him, Fitzgerald, and uh, it was another receiver down there. But Fitzgerald was getting older, so it was time to him, for him to hang it up. Has he officially retired? Um, That's a great question. Uh, I think so. I want to say yes. Like I he actually put the paperwork in. Yeah, I think so. Because Fitz, I mean, Fitz was one of those guys, he kind of knew when he knew. You but know what I'm saying? Dude, that dude was productive even all the way up until the end. Like, he reminds me a lot of Jerry Rice. I know we're getting off subject here. He reminds me a lot of Jerry Rice. Just productive all the way through. That's the way it feels. I think he was the next generation's. Jerry Rice, but he just only thing he doesn't have is the rings. But I, I think he did something different than Jerry, and he got out before somebody could tell him to get out. All right, so you're ab- absolutely correct. He says, I'm not retired, um, I'm busier now than I've ever been, uh, and that's more so because he's working with his foundation. So technically, he hasn't retired yet. Mm. So we can get a, a a comeback, possibly at forty years old. Because he says this is a 2022 article. It says I'm 38 years old. Um, I'm a long way from retirement. Yeah, a long way. And then that's just kind of how it ends off. Okay. I just don't want to see him come back in a in another team's jersey. I I I, I want the loving. Um, Cardinals jersey to be the only jersey he wears because we don't get that a lot. True. Maybe he can. Uh, I know they they're gonna retire that jersey. Oh yeah, definitely. They're definitely gonna retire. Has, he may have to pay for them to do it, but he'll he'll yeah. get it done. <laughs> well, if everything goes keeps going the way it's going, Bidwell will be the next owner that's out of there. 
Yeah, you talking about that um case with against with McDonough's son. Yeah. That's gonna be interesting. I don't think that's gonna get him out, but he's one of the owners, him and uh Brown in Cincinnati are two owners that I don't understand how they've made it this long as the owners of those franchises. Um Man, why wouldn't why wouldn't the league just buy them out or get somebody to buy them out? Namesake. I got you, I got you. Because if you look at it, think about the old dog franchises. Think about your New York Giants, still owned by the DeMara family. You know, Wellington Mara became owner of the Giants, I think, at like 15. After his dad died. Mm-hmm. So he was owner at 15. And he was owner all the way up until his death. Now his son takes over. The uh, Hallis family still own the Bears. The Brown family still owns the uh the 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 bangles. Um, hell, the uh, well, it's not the Bartolos. The his sister runs uh San Francisco. If I'm not mistaken, she's uh, what's her name? York. She still runs out there in San Francisco. And I was hoping that they let Eddie come back in because Eddie the Bartolo in San Francisco was nothing but success. But I don't think that'll ever happen. But you got to look at the old dog franchise. And if you look at that, and the Bidwells, and, and I think the Bidwells even owned the Cardinals when they were in Chicago. Okay. I think it goes back that far. But the NFL is not going to cut ties with these legacies. That's the, that's the word I'm looking for, because that's what that is. That's a legacy. They're not going to cut ties with that legacy, no matter how bad the product is, because we got revenue sharing. So the revenue sharing is there. We don't have to cut ties. You're going to get your money. You keep your payroll. I mean, hell, look at what Dallas used to do. Dallas would underpay their superstars. So other guys could not ask for more money than Roger Staubach, Bob Lilly, uh, uh, Jethro Pugh. They would underpay their superstars just to keep the money low. And sometimes... These old dogs, the Bidwells, the Brown family, they believe in that too. Hell, what's the biggest contract the Bidwells have ever given out? Probably the Fitzgerald contract. And that wasn't even top tier. That was probably maybe top 15. And then they got Kyle's contract. I mean, Kyle's contract is um, probably in the top 10 now. At the time he signed, he was probably number one. But, you know, of course... As they say with quarterback contracts, um, you're the highest paid guy until the next guy signs. That's true. And I, I think about that. I don't think I would want to be the highest paid guy. Just my what thought. you doing? You, you taking a team friendly deal? Nah, nah, nah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm. I love incentive laden deals because it's it, it gives you the incentive to make your money. KG, come on, man. You tell me the league telling you, you they will give you this deal, and you're like, nah, I want mine's incentive base instead if of taking the, the guarantees. If, if it's the NFL, I want my guarantees. If you, my base salary is a is a guarantee, like my guarantees are are pretty lucrative. Okay, but I want to get my bonus, the rest of my stuff on incentives because there's no guarantee in the NFL. Right, that's why you don't want your incentives. 
But you don't want a bunch of incentive money because there is no guarantee. But if I if I'm not going, I'm not talking like Ricky Williams incentives. Okay. You know, know, I'm not talking that. Like I'm talking about something that's not. Oh well, if you have a two thousand yard receiving year, uh, we'll give you two million dollars. Nah, nah, bro. I want it layered. Forty five catches, I get this amount. Uh, 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 90 catches, I get this amount, you know, or whatever position I play. If I'm a running back, if I run for a thousand yards, I get this amount. I run for anything over a thousand yards, it starts calculating every hundred yards over a thousand yards. I get a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars per thousand yards. You think I'm going down at the first contact? Think I'm gonna turn into motherfucking Earl Campbell. I'm running everything over that whole entire season. I got my money. You get 10 touchdowns, we it's $250,000. Okay, I'm going to get 30. I'm going to get my money. But I'm I'm an incentive-laden person. When I know it's incentives involved and it's true to heart, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And don't tell me that, oh, this record will never be broken because I'm going to break it. That's just me, though. That's me. That's all. That's me. You gonna get your agent fired <laughs> by his company, not by you. This company gonna kick him out the league. Well, you, you look here, you got to go. This dude taking money from everybody. Yeah, it's like taking money from now. If it's the NBA, just give me a contract. And what's the standard NBA? Well, longest NBA contract now is what five years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll take that. Give me a five year deal worth something. Hell, if Austin Reeves getting forty. Well, no, let me rephrase that because I'm video game days. Uh, I remember taking, I turned down $109 million from the Lakers for four years. I turned it down to stay with Milwaukee for 48 and some change for three. Yeah, man. I'm not messing with you. No, but I did, it was a reason. At the time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play with Kobe because if I played with Kobe, I was already leading the league in assists. I was already leading score. I said, if I played with Kobe, I'm going to average way more assists because he going to shoot. We're going to score. We're going to be one of the most dominant backcourts to ever play the game. Okay. But at that time they had Kobe, Iguodala. I think they still had Gasol. It was like a bunch of players over there. I was like, nah, I'm going to stay in Milwaukee because we just won a championship. And I had uh, who did I have with me? Me and Brandon Jennings, Tobias Harris. I forget who my center was, but we was running the thing. We was running the East. Why would I leave that? Why would I leave success to go chase money? I want rings. And we had just won two rings back to back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another trip down the KG video game stat wormhole. <laughs> KG wormhole. <laughs> hey, that might be the next video. <laughs> but still, that's the, see, that's the way I think. Because if I'm winning, yeah, it's free agency and all that. I'm offered all this money. How many players go chase monies and, and never win another ring? I got you. Yeah, I, 
apparently that's what defines your legacy is when you win a ring. Because guys like Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, you know, they were just they were plumbers and and and, and firefighters because they don't have a ring. Carl Malone, John Stockton. Well, he was a mailman. Well, John uh, Carl Malone was the mailman. And you know, Scottie Pippen told him, Mail, a mailman don't don't deliver on Sundays. And he missed that damn free throw. I love it. But my whole point is, if it's about money, you gotta you gotta ch- pick and choose your battles. All money ain't good money. True. I learned that playing dominoes a long time ago. And it, it, it equates to life. So but DeAndre Hopkins, I think the story will come out in the next couple of weeks. But what's shocking me is nobody nobody has scooped him up. He's not lost product. He's not a bad receiver. The dude comes in and puts in that work. Yeah, but you're in, that period, you're in that period where everybody had their plans laid out um, for what they were doing money-wise. And now, all of a sudden, this guy comes on the market. Now you got to start reshuffling chairs on the, on the deck to make it work. And then you got to figure out how much he wants to play for. Is he asking for... Uh, Odell deal, or is he going to take a, a minimum deal just so he can be with a contender? Because he got the twenty two point six already. So that's that's where the big question comes. That's where I think the dynamic is. Is you know you got teams that either got to first make plans to fit him in to what they have going on, and then second, you got to figure out what this guy wants from a financial standpoint, and can you match that? So you talk about a contender. And obviously, you got to think contender, money, fit. Right. I named a couple of teams in our chat. I said uh, Baltimore, Buffalo, and I, I can't. Who else? I said. I said Baltimore, Buffalo. Uh, la, 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 la. Where is that? He can go to Kansas City. Kansas City was another one, and Titans. I don't think he want to go to the Titans. I don't yeah. think he would want to go there because they're too run heavy. Mm. But that that's what they lacking. They lacking a, a, a guy that can take the top off. Well, D Hop ain't taking the top off. Not not no. Nah. He gonna he gonna take the possession. He can possess you to death. I don't think he's taking the top off anymore. I don't think he he got that left. He might get you with a move. And get past you and get up, you know, take the top off then. But yeah, he gotta like adjust it and get somebody to like like if it's ketchup, he gotta smack the bottom and then take the top off. Like he needs some <laughs> to take the top off. <laughs> yeah, smack the bottom and take the top off. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> he gotta, yeah, boy, that ketchup, you know how that ketchup, you know, you just can't open that ketchup bottle. You gotta get that little pop and then turn it. Yeah, man. Mm. Boy, yeah, you are showing your age with that one. Hey. The ketchup bottle, though, you showing your age. <laughs> you know, you, you on the rep. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't coming out, so you got to stick the knife in there and kind of get it out. Then it starts. Right. Mm. All right, that's enough for old man radio. So Ooh. we've had a video game wormhole <laughs> and an old man segment. <laughs> well, let's jump to the last segment. Wrap that shit up, B. Um, I sent this to you guys, and this was kind of weird because I've been wondering what in the hell is going on 
with the sale of the commanders. It says, this is in Forbes magazine. Josh Harris's group needs to change financing in order to win NFL uh, NFL approval to buy commanders. What the hell does that mean? means that the money makes sense for Dan, but for the other owners, the money doesn't make sense the way they want it. Doesn't fit their structure. So he's got to rearrange the jet chairs um, and make some things work. So the owners will be happy and comfortable with the deal. I think part of the thing is, and this is just me spitballing and my wild speculation is, I think, you know, they want to make improvements to the stadium. So I got to believe that there's a provision in this deal that as we're speaking right now, money is being put towards the repairs and the replacements that Josh Harrison company wants because they know they can't get control of this until August or September. So you can't, I mean, you can't do this in September trying to recreate the fan experience. You got to start doing that work now. So somewhere in there, if they're doing their due diligence, they have to have some kind of parameters saying with Dan saying, hey, you do these repairs. You know, this money comes to you somehow, some way. I think there's that. And then I think the other part is the legal part. Like there's got to be some money set aside somewhere where when the Daniel Snyder lawsuits or suits come up, you know, he takes the responsibility for that money coming out and not the Harris group having to pay that money out. So I think that's another part of it. And those two things um, being in place kind of make it difficult for the owners to kind of wrap their heads around all that's going on in the deal. And this is, I mean, we're talking about $6 billion. You know what I'm saying? It takes you damn near all day just to purchase a $20,000 vehicle, $20,000 vehicle. So I think it's going to take some time to do a $6 billion transaction. And I always thought that it was going to take some time just because of the litigation involved with Dan, that there was going to have to be some parameters in place that probably aren't the traditional parameters. Um, and I never really thought that Bezos, like I keep hearing people like, oh, well, if this was Bezos, it would have been done already. I don't think so. Because even though this guy's got a bunch of partners you got to vet, I think it's also you got to structure this in a way where the owner coming in doesn't get hurt by the, the past sins of the owner before. You can't pay for his sins. That's true. Uh, Tom Lavero said this. He tweeted out this. He said, this is rich. Commanders are the Exxon Valdez of the, of the NFL. Here comes someone willing to clean up the mess, and the owners don't like the, the skimmers they, they will use. Josh Harris should say, fine, keep Joseph Hazelwood. We're done. Then you got to go through another season with, with – uh, with Daniel Snyder, and I don't think the fans want that, and I don't think the NFL wants that. I mean, I think Rick Snyder has said this and set the right template for it the whole time. It's just he's Rick Snyder, and he doesn't get the same publicity that a Tom Lavero or anybody else. But he's gone through this in 98 um, when they had the teams to till back then, and he's always been on the side of patience, and he's also been on the side of Every report isn't a legit report. There's always an agenda behind each report that comes out. So you just got to find the agenda and then you'll figure out how real the report is. So I think in this scenario, there's an agenda being taken care of on somebody's side. I think it's the owner's side. All right, we got to structure this in a certain way. 
So then, because I think they're trying to get more out of Harris if they can, and if they can't, they just want more upfront money. Because you got to remember, still, we're back in the business. It's a business, and you got to get paid. And the owners are trying to get paid. I think it's absolute bull. But the uh, the gentleman uh, from Maryland that has the, the lawsuit with Bank of America and Bank of America counter-suing, like, it should... We oh, can't you know even, Brian Davis. Yeah. We can't even sell the team without controversy. Have you have you read the story on this? I've skimmed it. So, like, this dude is was trying to, I guess he had a signature on a document saying that he had this $5 billion, but the $5 billion belonged to some estate. Um, it's actually my um, Twitter handle. What's my Twitter handle now? Um, but, yeah, so this guy, and then that money is traced back to the K's where the gold was for, um, oh, Severino Garcia, um, Estate Romana. That's where the money came from. And um, it's funny that they, Bank of America saw the document, saw the signature. It wasn't Brian Davis' signature on it, so that's part of the reason they got skeptical. Then trying to trace the money is another place. And, like, this legend goes all the way back to, like, gold that was stolen during one of the wars and was hidden in the caves in the Philippines. So, like, that that's where the money is traced back to or, like, where this story goes. Which is ridiculous. Go ahead, just say what you gotta say, man. It's all good. The whole bid has been ridiculous, and I, I, I've seen people I went to school with. Oh, you know, he went to Blade. He went to school with, with us, and this, that, number. Oh, I know. No, I don't give a fuck. We went. I don't give a damn about none of that. Here's my thing. I remember they used to have newspaper clippings of him up in the in the in the in the uh the vestibule of the gym because he was one that got drafted in the NBA and everything. Okay, cool. That's great. You talking about buying one of the most storied franchises at one point in time in the NFL, but you got so much as my godmother used to say, SHIT with you. Like who wants to get in bed with that? Who wants to deal with that? Honestly, I mean, that's been the case. No, nah, that's been the thing. I mean, Sean Merriman came out and talked about the lawsuit he had against he lost money on because he was suing the guy because I guess they had like a transaction of three hundred thousand or something like that, and he never got his money back. And there's a there's a bunch of people that have had cases against them because money wasn't they. It was almost like a Ponzi scheme that they just ran off with the money. And they never got paid back. So it's 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 a it's it's ironic that this franchise being sold from this ordeal these last 23 years is taking the shape of what the last 23 years have been. It's been a debacle. It's it's been it's been just crazy. And I think that's what we got. We got crazy and, <laughs> and a bit of a debacle because we gotta make this work. I, I, I. Hey, G, it's gonna be okay. I, I know it's gonna be okay, but I just I, 
like so many people are like, oh man, I hope Brian Davis gets this team. He can't even handle his own finances, apparently. Right. I'm good with Josh Harris. I, uh, granted, I, I preferred uh, Byron Allen, but Byron Allen never put that bid in, so I, I get it. I got NFL is going. This is the last sale in the old NFL rules. Um, because going forward, they have to start changing some of the framework of how these deals are done. You're no longer buying a franchise for 200 million, you know, seven, 700 million. We're in the billions. Yep. And and we're in the billions for a franchise that isn't even that good. So imagine when we start selling franchises that have their stuff together, like a Seattle sale, you know, what's that going to be? Is that going to be, is that going to come in at six or are we talking about seven or 8 million now? I mean, billion. So that's, okay. and then, and then the, the cap is what I think you got to have 30% liquid or whatever the bid is. Mm. Like some of these numbers got to, like something's got to change for these teams to start selling and keep selling because the numbers are getting ridiculous. We're getting some monopoly money. Imagine if they sold the Dallas Cowboys. Now they're, they're valued at like almost $5 billion, if not five, right? No, I think they're seven or eight. They're going to fetch $10 billion. Right, that's what I'm talking about. They're gonna, they, they, they're gonna. If Jerry Jones like, you know what, my my bid is ten billion. I guarantee you, if not one person, a group is gonna come together. They're gonna have everything in order, and it's gonna be the smoothest sale you ever seen. Because you not, you can't get, you can't get ten. No, you can't get ten billion with the way the constraints are on these deals. You can't just come up with ten million. I mean, maybe Bezos. You talking about like maybe the top five people in the in the world in terms of money being able to bid on this. You're getting into rarefied air because of the amount of money they're asking for up front. And that's why this is taking this is another reason why this is taking so long. Is you're trying to get you gotta get a bunch of people together to come up with the 6.05 billion to make it work and make it so you're not overextended. I get it. I get it. Ah, well, when we come back on Tuesday, we definitely going to be talking about Miami or Boston going to the finals. Oh, and then hopefully today the Nats finish off their sweep in Kansas City um, and just get themselves on a roll. If they can get three in a row, who, who knows what happens next? This team has been surprisingly, shockingly better than I, I expected. I mean, I've got all the ranks that I had early in the season. And they're doing everything I said that had to happen. They're they're doing the perfect storm right now. Mm. They're getting they're playing offensive. They're playing so much better than I expected. They still can't hit a home run that often, but they're playing good baseball where they're moving the line. They're getting timely hits. Now they, they only at last for like two or three innings. They'll get to their five, and then they kind of like they tapped out at that point. Occasionally they'll get six or eight, but. Um, this starting pitching has been surprisingly better than I thought. And once once you get to their third, fourth, and fifth starter, they're actually getting quality starts from them too. The kid Jake Irvin they just called up that wasn't in the top prospects is pitching well. He's been he's been hit hard the last two times, but still he gives them enough to get them further along in ball games than they were ever doing last season. And that's that's the change. That's what's making them have a chance. They give themselves a chance. And that's all you can ask for in baseball. 
Agreed. So on Tuesday, we'll come back. We'll talk about that and talk about uh, this finals matchup. Hopefully, uh, did Vegas win last night? Nah, Dallas won last night, 4-2. So okay. we got, yeah. Got another so game. Is three to two. Okay, game six. Yes, yeah, so we got game six coming up. All right. The 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 Vegas Knights are an expansion team, and they've had more success than enough since they joined the league. Well, that's because of hockey's hard cap. Because hockey has a hard cap, when you start, and they don't they don't move money around like the NFL. It's this is what it is. This is where this guy got to fit in. And because of the way the rules are set up, you know, these, these expansion teams are getting good hockey players to start their franchise off with. They're not getting the the 15th guy on, on the roster or the 20th guy. They're getting like a top 10 guy because that team can't afford them, keep them. So when you lose guys like that or you lose like the Caps lost, I think they lost a goalie and that goalie ended up getting traded back to them. But still, you're, you're giving up quality prospects. To, to to teams that and all they're doing is just shaping and molding their roster, and boom, you're getting success. This will be their second um, Stanley Cup series. Yep, in five years, mm-hmm. and they've only been in, around for five years. And then the Kraken, they've been in the playoffs. I think they're in year two. So yeah, and is it really talk about does hockey put enough stress on the expansion teams? Because they're having so much success early, like maybe they need to change the rules up to make it harder for them to get success, be, be successful. That's an that's an about hockey talk. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, for the Midnight Rider, the Boss BJ, I'm the big guy KG. Y'all know the whole thing, baby. We don't do no overtime. We are out of here. <laughs>